Mai Talk, the podcast series brought to you by ISS Market Intelligence. If you're interested in what is happening in the global retail financial services marketplace, uh, the asset wealth management, insurance, banking, fintech, you name it, industries, you have come to the right place. Count on my talk each month to keep you up to date with industry developments, but also to help you uh, peek under the hood of the industry um, headlines and add the second and third day storylines to use the journalistic uh, expression. I'm Goshka Folda, your host and global head of um, research at ISS Market Intelligence. And joining me today for his second My Talk appearance is my colleague Christopher Davis, head of US Fund Research at ISSMI. Christopher authored the recently released 2021 US Asset Manager Profitability Report, and this is going to be the topic of our discussion today. Christopher, welcome back to My Talk. Glad to be back. I think now I have majority share, don't I? And uh, <laughs> two of three uh, podcasts would appear on. That you do, Christopher. I hope to. I hope to set. Uh, so I've set a record. I guess you could say. <laughs> Let's keep it up, Christopher. Um, <laughs> so um, I've read the report and really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, one of the things that we have been hearing about um, as we um, get invited to various uh, C-suites across the asset management business. Um, there has been a bit of a pervasive sense of gloom, doom and gloom regarding the business, where it's going, its profitability, et cetera. But your report has revealed something quite, quite different. Do you want to talk about that? The big yeah. reveal? Yeah. Well, we, we do hear lots of gloom from asset managers, but the fact is that asset managers are enjoying record profitability. Uh, in fact, the uh, median public asset manager, which we we studied um, the operating results of 25 uh, public asset managers that primarily operate in the U.S. And the the median manager had a profit uh, margin of nearly 37%. To, to put that into context, um, you know, the typical or median S&P 500 company has operating margins somewhere in the mid-teens. So, um, and... I don't think asset managers have seen profitability like this since uh, the peak of the last really great uh, bull market in 2000. So, um, you know, happy days are, are here again if you at least, you know, look at the at the numbers. Um, but I do uh, do like the point that you make, and maybe this is a bit uh, the explanatory factor behind that, you know, pervasive um, negative outlook in spite of these pretty stunning results. Um, uh, perhaps you can give us a little bit of that historical context. Um, um, you know, where have we been since that? And I, I like that you're you're bringing us back to the, the turn of the millennium. So where, where have we been in terms of the industry profitability? Well, um, you know, the industry prof profitability probably had its lowest point in the wake of the financial crisis and um, in the early 2010s. And you, you can imagine why um, managers took a big hit in assets, um, you know, both from investors fleeing, but more because markets, you know, fell so much. So that was really the low point. Uh, managers got it together, um, you know, they're able to recover. But by the time we got to the mid-20-teens, uh, something else happened. Uh, 
you know, financial advisors and investors got religion on fees. And uh, now we can talk about why they got religion. I don't necessarily think they were converted for the right reasons necessarily, or because they believed that lower fees are, you know, some kind of theologically good thing that that's always better. But what ended up happening is that uh, fund managers' business models, which had relied traditionally on paying advisors commissions to sell funds, uh, changed. Uh, advice became increasingly fee-based, meaning advisors were paid just like asset managers are paid uh, as a percentage of the assets that they manage. Um, and without manager, without advisors being paid or compensated or whatever term you want to use uh, by asset managers to per pick particular funds, uh, you know, managers became a little lost as to how to distribute their funds. So that undermined the fundamental, uh, uh, you know, fact of our business is that we make money by growing assets. Uh, and it became harder to raise uh to raise assets. So that happened. And then even if you could raise assets, fee pressures, uh, you know, made raising assets less lucrative. Why? You know, because advisors um, that want to preserve their own ability to charge fees, but they do realize that at the end of the day, as, uh, fees come out of the investor's return. And so if I'm an advisor, I don't cut my own fees, but I can save the investor money by cutting their investment management expenses. What happens? Well, lower cost funds start winning out. And if you look into the mid-2000s, around 2015, 16, you will see a sea change in how funds or which funds are sold. Passive takes off. And really, we never looked back. Passive has dominated uh, active investments ever since. And so I think that's why there is such uh, pervasive gloom in the industry that it was really hard to get to this kind of profitability. Um, you know, managers went through wrenching changes to be this profitable. And they know uh, probably better than anyone that, you know, 2021 was kind of a confluence of a lot of good luck. Uh, if you think about it, uh, we have a really amazing business model in asset management where if you think about other businesses, if you don't, uh, you, if you can't sell your product or convince people to buy your product, you don't make money. In asset management, all that has to happen, as long as you have some customers in the door, is for markets to go up. Markets go up, you make money. And uh, almost half of all uh companies in our survey had neg uh, net outflows last year, but 24 or 25 saw uh, improved profitability. Uh, what other business can you have declining sales, but almost everybody makes more money or makes, you know, becomes more profitable? It, it doesn't happen often. Uh, but, you know, 2021 was a special year in the sense that, you know, markets performed well, uh, pricing pressures weren't as severe. Um, Active managers didn't perform all that badly, uh, at least from a sales perspective. Um, active bond funds actually, um, you know, took in a lot more money than than passive bond funds. So there, there were a lot of uh, positive things working in managers' favor. And you know, of course, we all know the equity market was up big. And so, if you had outflows on equities in your, from your equity funds, you could make it up 
uh, on how the market performed. So all of those things came together. It was a magical combination. And managers had been working hard to cut their expenses. And so it was just like a tightly coiled spring. And it sprung in 2021. And, you know, as we're seeing so far this year, that kind of year is hard to replicate. Yes, Christopher, and I think all great points. And maybe I do want to take a closer look um, because it's kind of a, a keen student of the, the economics of the business. It was very interesting to me. Um, you show one of the exhibits tracks the both operating revenues and operating expenses as percentage of average assets under management. So, of course, there is the denominator is a uh, uh, kind of um, uh, swelled uh, in 2020 and 21. So, of course, there is an impact of that. But it was interesting that still the revenue line, uh, and you mentioned solid inflows and, of course, market valuations that were so powerful, um, really helped um, that kind of hold the line on the revenue line. Uh, my back of the envelope math here is that between 2012 and um, 21, the expense, the revenues, uh, the the turn rate, uh, which I describe as operating revenues as percentage of uh, average asset under management, went down by about 13%. Operating expenses by about 20%. In both cases, it was eight basis points. But I think, is it the case that um, you see a couple of trends that you describe at some length, like um, acquisitions and, and just a deeper reflection on the cost infrastructure of the business. That Do we see some progress there from, from the data and from your uh, discussions with the industry? Lots of progress. In fact, that metric that you'd measured on operating expenses relative to the asset base that managers are carrying, it's the lowest in history. So, you know, managers are, at least right now, have found, um, you know, the economies of scale that they needed to improve profitability. Um, you know, up until last year, managing expenses preserved margins Last year is actually the time we saw, you know, at, because revenue growth was so strong, we actually saw those margins expand. Uh, you know, a couple of reasons for that. Uh, I think the acquisition uh, story is a big one here. You know, if one company buys a, another, you know, they could eliminate redundancies, as we say very politely, which means, of course, you know, getting rid of overlapping functions, overlapping operation, operational folks and um uh, you know, and, and cutting costs that way. We've seen that kind of thing go on. You've also seen other kinds of acquisitions, acquisitions of, of capabilities. And so, you know, if you think of managers such as Franklin Templeton, they've bought a lot of alternative managers recently. They bought Lake Mason, which bolstered their fixed income capabilities. All of that increased and diversified their asset base. So they were able to you know, spread their expenses across a wider base. You saw also uh, other examples. For example, Morgan Stanley bought Eaton Vance. Eaton Vance had managed their costs pretty well relative to the industry, but their revenues weren't growing as quickly. Well, what did that acquisition um, solve for them, or at least uh, was designed to solve? Uh, you know, improving distribution. So, you know, which improves... Uh, you know, revenue growth. So acquisitions cut costs, but they also, you know, were designed to improve revenue growth in cases where, um, you know, uh, maybe it, 
you know, companies weren't growing as, as quickly as they could. And also acquisitions um, in a very Darwinian way take out weaker players. And so, you know, you get rid of weaker players, it, it brings up uh, it brings up the, the average or, or the median. And so, you know, we've, all of the firms that have been acquired that were in our sample, you know, they all had operating margins that were in the bottom quartile. And so, you know, acquired firms are usually not necessarily pictures of financial health, um, you know, especially if they're large. Uh, they cost less, they're attractive targets because of that. But why? Because they're struggling. And so, you know, they have weaker profitability. And so then we take them out of the sample. And, you know, that's why we saw a lot more improvement at the bottom than we did at the at the top of our sample. And that's a really great point. But it does bring me also to another point that I think you, uh, you raised both in this research and uh, we have generally at Market Intelligence uh, spoken about for some time, is that there's some solid evidence that it's not always just about scale and diversification right. that that you can if you if you will skin that cat that profitability cat in different ways uh, what are your thoughts on that christopher yeah i i think it, it is a bit of a misnomer um you know some of my colleagues like to say is really there are only five or ten firms in the whole world that could probably uh get you know to be truly giant, massive, big scale players. You know, the other path of success is through more specialization. And if you look at some firms in our sample, they're just little boutiques, uh, or maybe not so little in AUM, but they're, um, you know, very focused in their missions. You know, so I think of Pazina uh, Asset Investment Management, um, you know, is one really prominent example of a firm that's all they do is value investing. That is it. That's all they've done. Um, but they've always been highly profitable. And, you know, they have a relatively lean operating structure. Um, they can do that because they aren't trying to be all things to all people. Uh, and so, you know, when they succeed, they can really succeed. And they saw very large um, uh, increases in profitability over the past year. Of course, it cuts the other way. Um, you know, some of the least profitable firms uh, in our sample historically have also been kind of pure plays. You know, they've focused on one thing. Um, uh, you know, so uh, I think that focus can be a great thing if you do it well, but it could also uh, leave you at the bottom of the heap if you don't do it you know, well. Um, and so, you know, sometimes those businesses are very focused on one investment style, but they'll have very diversified client bases, uh, you know, for instance. So, you know, they, they pursue diversification uh, in a different kind of way, suiting different kinds of investors rather than trying to appeal to, uh, you know, or try to, to manage several different investment styles. Um, thank you, Christopher. Um, as I said, it's a really interesting report. Um, I think uh, you tackle some really big uh, discussions. Uh, what's your outlook uh, in kind of a couple of minutes or less for the future? <laughs> um, I know you've already mentioned 2022 is a much different uh, uh, different uh, uh, time. Um, uh, of course, some of the, I think, cleanups of the operating model that have uh, taken place in the better part of maybe even three years and kind of maybe now just bearing some solid fruit uh, probably will 
keep on giving, but uh, what's your what's your thinking as we go forward? Well, uh, you know, it's always dangerous uh, to make predictions, especially since not only you're asking me to make a prediction, you're putting a time on it, what's going to happen this year. But I can't resist. Uh, and I do close in the report with the prediction, so I guess I am uh, not treading any new ground here. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's very likely that when we put you know, close out on 2022. We'll see 2021 as the profitability high watermark. Um, and, and the reason I say that is, A, profitability is so high. Once you, um, you know, reach historically high levels, it's just harder to, to go higher. Um, so that's reason one. Reason two is, you know, look at what we've, you know, seen um, so far this year. Asset growth is negative because the markets are negative. We've only seen really mild outflows, though, so far, I would say. But um, the way markets are behaving, it's probably not likely that we're going to repeat um, uh, what happened last year. Now, who knows? Um, we could see the mother of all rallies, but so far we're not on pace for that. Um, and, you know, I. We had spoken before that you know managers had had cut their costs, uh, maybe not quite to the bone, but uh, you know quite aggressively. And so you know a lot of the cost cutting is already behind. Uh, the biggest cost cutting, at least, uh, is behind managers. So there's not a lot of room, a lot of wriggle room, um, uh, you know, left to cut costs further. And so. Um, I think for all of those reasons, we could expect less from this year. But I would point out that uh, in 2001, which was a terrible year uh, for markets, uh, if you remember things like Enron and WorldCom and Nortel and you know the tech crash and all of those things happened. And yeah, profitability fell a lot. But they fell from the high 30s, mar operating margins from high 30s to low 30s. And you know they remain that way, you know, for several years into the future. So I think you might see a, a trajectory like that, you know, where um, asset managers still have really high profit margins, still historically high profit margins, just not 2021 level profit margins. And I, I would imagine that most managers will take that outcome. Yes, Christopher, I agree with you. And uh, I think maybe just to, to put a bow on it, you know, uh, probably that that uh, doom and gloom is not really warranted, not least in the short term. I think in the longer term, there are many different trends that we that I hope that we're going to talk about and specifically with you and others at uh, Market Intelligence uh, as we kind of digest the impact of um, some uh, pressure on the productization function of asset managers through, for example, direct indexing, etc. So that's something that we're going to uh, drill into it. As we look into the next year to two years, I will just wrap it up, Christopher, and thank you very much for this. It was very, very illuminating. I, I encourage everyone to read the report, but um, I was talking to a CEO of a, of an, um, uh, a, a fairly sizable um, uh, um, uh, asset management um, firm um, in Canada, and uh, they said to me, the next two to three years, um, our biggest comp competitor is going to be a 4% fixed-term deposit. So in that context, <laughs> um, the profitability outlook, I think, remains 
good, <laughs> solid, but the inflows um, uh, might be challenged in terms of generating new new inflows. Um, so with that, uh, I will sign off uh, on our end. Uh, if you like this podcast, please tell your friends, spread the news on LinkedIn and uh, other social media platforms and uh, or give it a like on the platform which you're using to listen to this podcast. With that, thank you very much and I'll see you or I'll, I'll hear you next month. Thank you. Bye.